Hey y'all, welcome back to Eco Chic. My name is Laura Diaz, and yes, we have made it to 200 episodes of Eco Chic. Thank you so, so much for tuning into this episode, but really tuning into any episode. I am so proud, so honored that anyone wants to listen and participate in this show. I am really humbled because I feel like there is so, so many more conversations I want to do. There's so much more work to do here on Eco Chic. And again, I'm just really proud. Thank you so, so much for being here. To celebrate 200 episodes, I will be sending out stickers. I have been collecting addresses on social media, and I'll put up a little question box a couple of times in the coming weeks. So no matter when you're listening to this, there will be some opportunity for you to get new stickers. Also, just to make it easy in case we're not in touch on social, I will have down in the show notes a little Google form where you can put your address and submit it that way, and I'll send you some stickers. Thank you so much for being a part of this show. Today, we have a really cool episode because it's a crossover with other podcasters that I admire and love to listen to. We are speaking with Sammy Cantor and Maddie Medved. They are the hosts of The Girl and the Gov, the podcast. The Girl and the Gov podcast is really cool because it is politics specifically branded to what I imagine the eco-chic audience also is young, cool, fun people that are looking for information without all the fluff, that are looking to speak directly to candidates to really get down to the nitty-gritty details of what's going on. And the Girl in the Gov podcast is really an inside look of politics, government. Sammy and Maddie on today's conversation do give some great tips of episodes to start with if you're looking to get more information on things like, what does a secretary of state actually do? or you're looking to get in-depth conversations with candidates in your area, it's a really cool show because not only do they break down politics in a really digestible way, but they have these really engaging conversations with leaders in the field. So candidates, with representatives, with anyone who has anything to do with politics, they've got a conversation. And I feel like the best part about The Girl in the Gov, the podcast, is I never feel silly for not knowing something that they ask. Sammy and Maddie do a really, really incredible job of getting down to the details and asking the questions that I want to hear from whoever it is that they're interviewing that week. I'm really happy to have found their podcast. I feel like our audiences are probably quite similar, so I can't imagine that you're hearing about them for the first time from me today. But today's conversation is really cool because midterms are coming up, and this was an episode really aimed to help prep all of us for midterm election season coming up on November 8th. I suppose the season is now, but midterm elections are November 8th. Anyway, I'm really excited about this episode. It helps us really break down what we're looking for on the ballot, what we're looking for from different candidates. We put an environmental lens on everything, of course. We talk about specific initiatives. We talk about what to look in certain states. We talk about how to be a more informed voter across the board. So I feel like this is a really cool episode with tips that you could implement today. With that, if you enjoy this episode, send it to a friend. Just tell one person about EcoChic. I appreciate it so much. And you can share it in your group chat. You can post it on your Instagram story. You know what I say every single week. Tag me at EcoChic Podcast. All my social links are down below. Instagram, TikTok, my email's down there if you ever want to get in touch. And I really look forward to hearing from you. And again, make sure that you are in touch on social wherever that may be so that I can send you some stickers to celebrate number 200. With that, let's jump into our chat with Sammy Cantor and Maddie Medved of The Girl and the Gov, the podcast. Enjoy. 
I have been so looking forward to talking to you guys. I love your podcast. I love the branding. I love everything you stand for and advocate for and just the way that you go about politics in this friendly, happy hour, warm way that is not intimidating. It's everything that I was looking for and everything I needed. So this is really a dream come true for me too. That makes us so happy. I also just like eco and chic putting those two together. It's so on brand for me too. I'm like, those are my two favorite things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's funny. I now like attach the word chic to so much. Eco chic as a podcast has been around for a long time. But yeah. like if I'm at a store and I see like a cute pair of Christmas pajamas, like that's Santa chic. That is Ooh, like, I will attach yes. it to anything. No, I actually do use it pretty regularly as well. It's Santa a fun, it's a fun word. chic. I'm guys. Santa chic obsessed. First of all, send that it's giving Santa chic. Second of all, the way in which I'm going to use that from now on through through Christmas, you have no idea. (laughs) Everyone's gonna be so sick of me, and I'm I'm fine with it. I'm committed. Yeah, enjoy it. Seriously, like chic is a fun word to attach to just about anything. No, hundred percent. Yeah, I have to say, speaking of fun words, thinking of politics chic. Like, let's talk about the girl in the gov. I was just talking with y'all about how you met. And I think this is a fun story. So I would love for you to tell the audience how you two met. Sure. Samantha, take it away. Fine, fine, fine. I guess I'll dive into it. So let's, let's go, let's do a little time travel moment. We're in 2020. The pandemic is full force. We're like, are we ever leaving our homes again? What's happening? At that same time, during that same thought process, I had what was the original Girl on the Gov, which was an events company, which still has and had, you know, our mission, which it is today, which is rebranding politics, making it more accessible and approachable for millennial women, Gen Z women, et cetera. But I was like, okay, what am I going to do? Like, I literally, we can't leave the house like what's what's the next steps for this so all I could really think to myself was okay well at least let me try and grow the social following of the accounts that are you know related to this so I started literally doing follow for a follow which is so old school like that just shows like how much we've grown since 2020 because follow for a follow was still a thing so I was just following people at random sort of like okay like I guess this person might be interested or we'll see like follow let's see if they'll follow back And I literally to this day do not remember what it was about Maddie's profile that made me go, oh, maybe she'd follow me back. But she did. I was giving eco chic, obviously. (laughs) It must have been. It's just a vibe thing. Sometimes the energies just come together and it all worked out. And I followed her and she DM'd me. There was actually two DMs, which you pointed out the other day, which I totally forgot about. There was an initial DM where you're like, I'd love to help on the West Coast, like yada, yada. And I was like, cool and then didn't know what to do with it because again what am I going to do with events during a pandemic and then she followed up and was like hey want to start a podcast and I was like sure and it really took off from there the way I'm just like it's the way that is so off-brand for me too like I am not one to shoot my shot with anybody ever I'm just like but I was like let's do it which is just again an ode to to like it just was a fate moment we talk about it Mm -hmm. all the time we're like the way it happened, again, the way I just normally don't do shit like that. It was just crazy. And now we're, you know, over two years in and we're still kicking and having a good time, but an interesting meet cute nonetheless. I love the story. I love the story. I love an internet friendship. Do either of you have a formal background in politics or is this something that you're passionate about and self-taught? 
we both studied politics and government in college. And then I ended up working in the political space. Sam went into PR. I worked on a few campaigns and stuff after graduating. So I had the political background and then I was actually working on a presidential primary campaign in 2019, 2020. And then he called off his campaign like two weeks before the lockdowns. So I was like fully unemployed, painting, tie-dyeing, and all of a sudden this girl slides to my, or follows me and I slide into her DMs because I was just feeling bold, I guess. Um, And it was an interesting time in the world. Something was in the air. Totally. And I do not have really like any formal background in politics besides majoring and always being interested. Although I did stalk myself on LinkedIn the other day and I forgot about an internship I had. And that internship, like this just shows like how like time just like really messes with your head. I did do a PR internship at my city hall, like back in the day in college was all about like sending press releases about city related news. And I guess I was on it and I now need to find those press releases because I'm really curious, like what on earth I was like really up the to. Way like what I was never writing. mentioned that. That's what I just see, forgot. Okay. <laughs> oh, I literally forgot. And this is one of those things. Like there is just something about my mind where I just super will focus on one thing and can totally remember it forever and other things just totally in one out the other, like whatever. And People have literally been like, you don't need to keep your college courses on your LinkedIn. I'm like, no, I do, because I literally don't remember what I took at this point. And like the same goes for every little random like internship shadowing, whatever it is. It has to stay on my LinkedIn because I won't, I won't remember until I see it there and it cues a whole flood of memories. So anyways, um, I did have that internship back in the day. Totally forgot about that. Other from that moment, I didn't have any like political campaign experience. So Maddie's really been able to bring in all of sort of the political side of things I've brought in the PR and marketing side of things. And like together, those things have really created the business as it is created the podcast. And I think it's such an amazing like combo of skill sets because like we really are on such like opposites of those. And it like together is amazing and so powerful. And like where I might be like terrible at something Maddie's amazing at and vice versa, or just even having a knowledge set. It's mm-hmm. the contrast is like the best combo and so grateful. Like, and again, such, what are the odds of that? But like, we both like met each other, bantered well, and then also our work skill sets like happen to like also mesh perfectly. Like I I will never understand how the universe did it to us, but I'm forever grateful. Yeah. I love that so much. And I also feel like the timing is really serendipitous. Like it's wonderful mm-hmm. that you met and you click so well and have such a great dynamic, but yeah. also knowing that you launched just before the election of 2020 is really exciting timing. I have to imagine for yeah. a group trying to rebrand politics. So I want to talk a little bit about that period of time of the presidential election of 2020 and young people and what was access to information, political information like during that time? It was such an interesting time um, given everything that was at stake and from COVID to the massive, you know, social justice movements happening through the summer, through having someone like Donald Trump in office, like it was just kind of this perfect storm of everyone really paying attention and then not to mention like everyone's stuck in their home. So it's like all eyes on this. And I think, you know, we've connected with a lot of people since that also started around that time. And it's actually crazy kind of like how many people really branched into this space in different ways to continue to change and help the political space evolve. Um, And I feel like a lot of them started at the same time as us of like, It's just that time in 2020 where it was like everyone was looking to get more involved. 
you know, we definitely like didn't have many people listening to us at that time, but it was just interesting to like kick it off then. And then even post-election was even crazier time, weirdly, with, you know, Trump doing what he did after he lost to the Jan- January 6th and all of that. It just continued to be a crazy time, which oddly enough too, like crazy news cycles definitely help us like, cause people are looking for those resources. So yeah, as far as like what's out there, I think like the biggest thing we saw in that time was like so many people kind of doing like the social media, Instagram graphics and stuff like that, that I think were helpful and very good, like shareable moments, especially during a time when people were looking to kind of finally speak up, use their voice, get involved. And I think ultimately like that all kind of snowballed into getting a really good turnout for young people in 2020. But still, I think there was lacking, you know, kind of long form content around the political space for young people specifically. I think we still kind of are seeing not even that many, which is crazy to us, like, but nobody take our idea, but like, it's crazy that there's not more people doing what we're doing because it's just such a huge market gap. Young people really need this. And um, we're just trying to fill it our best, but we've always just said like, there needs to be like a CNN and MSNBC, like for young people, that's like not so boring, not so dry, not so toxic and taboo either. And just can like, like you said, kind of be that, happy hour conversation and like so people can actually implement it into their lives and put it into practice. Quick break to tell you about one of my favorite brands, Cozy Earth. Now quickly, I'm going to say that this is a very full circle moment for me because I love Cozy Earth. I've been buying their pajama sets for years. I was influenced years ago to buy a set for my mom for Christmas. She loved them so much. She raved about them that she gifted me a set. And now I've just continued to purchase them and gift them to friends because I cannot believe people have yet to experience the truly best sleep of their life. Cozy Earth has developed and crafted high-quality goods with responsibly and sustainably sourced materials, and they are really just so breathable and luxurious. Also, sleep on Cozy Earth bedding. I really cannot get enough of their fabrics. And also something to note, especially when you're buying a high-quality, delicious fabric, like a Cozy Earth loungewear set or like their bedding, I'm always a little worried that it's going to be a pain to take care of. And Cozy Earth is so easy to wash and immediately use again. And it really maintains an ultra flattering, elegant fit, which is a huge selling point for me. Cozy Earth sheets are softer than cotton and made from soft and sustainable viscose from bamboo fabrics and they're temperature regulating, which means it'll keep you cool and comfortable all night long. I feel like I've talked before about what a hot sleeper I am and I'm really picky about making sure my sheets are ultra breathable and the Cozy Earth sheets are beyond. They also offer a 100-night sleep test, which means you can try these sheets on your bed for 100 nights, and if you don't love them, which I cannot believe you not loving them, you can send the sheets back for a full refund. But trust me, you are going to be keeping these sheets. Cozy Earth provided an exclusive offer for today's listeners, 35% off site-wide when you use code ECOCHIC. If you want the coziest bedding, bath, and apparel, go to CozyEarth.com, use code ECOCHIC for 35% off. And now, a word from Shed the Silence. Naturally, over half of women will experience hair thinning in their lifetime. And especially for women, hair is so much more than physical appearance. It really shapes our self-image, our self-confidence, how we have relationships with ourselves from the inside out. And unfortunately, hair loss is a reality for millions of women, and yet we're really reluctant to discuss it publicly. 
A lot of women are suffering with this reality in silence, thinking that they're alone. I've shared a little bit about my hair journey the last couple of years, and during early 2020, during early COVID, I experienced my first bout of really significant hair thinning. And it made sense for the time. I think a lot of people were experiencing hair thinning really significantly for the first time during that period. I was stressed. I was living alone. Everything was uncertain. We were all living in extreme panic. And it really felt like there was nothing I could do to calm myself that was going to make my hair magically grow back. And I really didn't understand what was going on because I had never experienced this before. I'm someone who takes a lot of pride in my hair. I have naturally pretty thick hair and I have a lot of it. And when I could notice spots, especially around my hairline, I was getting really nervous. And there was something about sharing this experience with my closest girlfriends during one of our Zoom hangouts. Do you remember that period during early COVID where we were all like watching movies and doing Zoom happy hours with our friends? I was so embarrassed to say, girls, I'm experiencing something and I need to talk about it. My hair is thinning. And sure enough, there was someone else in the group that said, wait a minute, so is mine. I think it's all the stress. I think it's the news. I think it's this chaotic, unprecedented time that we're living in. And even though neither of us had a solution, I found so much peace and solace in knowing that someone close to me was experiencing a similar thing and they weren't waving this off as a frivolous concern about my appearance. It was something that was deeply impacting me and if anything, only adding to my stress at the time. If you also are or have experienced hair thinning, I really encourage you to share your story. Let's talk about it. Your hair story could help other women. Join the conversation at shedthesilence.com. That's shedthesilence.com. It'll be in the show notes. Yeah, totally. And I feel like 2020, I mean, it was such a roller coaster of a year. And I know for us, like going up to that election specifically and launching at the end of September and like thinking about like, okay, what episodes are we going to put out? Like, who are we going to interview? And I was trying to just think of like, how can we make the most impact as soon as possible? And we originally, we are, we're actually talking about this. And who would actually talk to us. <laughs> oh yeah, that too. That too. Which we had some amazing guests. I will also say, anytime my dad plugs the phone into the car, it takes them back to like literally like a random episode of our podcast. Like won't even have any of the apps open. And I'm like, oh, thank you. So Apple's really showing me some love there. But it goes back to like literally 2020 episodes. So we had one with state senator from New York, Biagi, who is like, iconic absolutely love her I can't believe she was one of our first guests because she's such an icon and it's just funny when people say yes and we didn't know who was going to speak to us we didn't know what impact we were going to have we were just hoping to have as much as possible but we did know that it didn't matter like at the end of the day if it was one person that registered to vote and got out to vote or 500 if we at least did one if one person actually showed up at the polls or checked their voter registration and made a correction to it, or was inspired to actually get involved, like we had done something and that was worthwhile itself. Like we could fail as much as humanly possible, but if like that happened itself, we've done something positive and we set ourselves and just being civically engaged in the right direction. So 2020 funky time, funky, especially slot before that election, but we did have, and from conversations we had with people that were listening, thank you to those people that made it possible for our parents and our aunts and our uncles. <laughs> exactly. Our you know, it's, 
but regardless, you know, those people did change some of their habits and that was a result of what we were doing. And so that was always super exciting and it's propelled us to now, which I can't believe we're even here. It's wild. I also feel like it says a lot that so many political figures are interested in being interviewed because I think there's in the general public of people who could be interviewed, it's a little intimidating to get on a podcast and share your thoughts and do long form content. Like you said, it's a deep conversation that you're able to have with someone over the course of 45 minutes, an hour, whatever it may be. But for a very long time, political figures, local government, state government, senators, whoever they are, don't really have that same direct line to young people that they had to our parents' generation, especially. Mm -hmm. So it's not only valuable to have a resource where young people now have access to more political information, but a space where you can actually connect with candidates and decision makers is really novel in some ways. Totally. Totally. And that's a huge part of like kind of something we've even evolved into because the original idea was to kind of be that first part that you mentioned, which was just like being a political resource for young people. But we, in doing that, realized that you know, politics also needs help reaching young people. And so being that bridge, like both ways has been really interesting. And definitely we realized has been very needed. And so we also are working in social like media consulting for these candidates and helping them, you know, use their platforms to reach young people and do it in a way that's actually going to be effective. So yeah, it's like become this two prong approach kind of to still reach young people and give them the resource that they so desperately have been needing for so long, but also, you know, bridging that gap for politics to ultimately finally reach young people and hopefully mobilize them and get them involved. Totally. Because there's like such a knowledge gap with political teams, politicians, elected officials, anyone in the political space and how to use social media and also podcasting. Like I can just tell even too still like some of the pitches we get, the way that they approach podcasting and the way that they approach social media they just don't really understand how it works. And that's fine. There's no shame in the game. And that's something that we talk about all the time. Like not knowing something is okay. Just start asking the questions, start finding the resources that make sense or explain those things. And so we wanted to make sure that we could really meet people where they were, not just on the consumer side, but also the back end. So what we did to solve for that is we launched a paid newsletter called Hashtag Viral. And that is made specifically for the political community. So it's social media how-to, it's basics from best practices, like it hits the whole gamut. So you could be a total novice in the political social media space, or you could be looking for what trending sounds are happening this weekend or a little bit more advanced with it. But it's really made to be able to eliminate some of that knowledge gap and therefore make it easier for those two sides to really connect. You know, it's like there's that missing link. So we're really trying to figure out how we redesign both spaces so that like it's seamless. First of all, I cannot believe how much you guys juggle. You do just about everything. Us, and- we can't either. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> we genuinely can't believe it either, but it's okay. We're doing it. There's not enough hours in the day. Like there just no. aren't. And like, that's not a complaint. Like very grateful for the work that we therefore get to do. Like there's so much more to do and like we'll have jobs forever because of it. So forever grateful, but yeah, we don't know. We don't know how we do it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think the other exciting part about working in the political space from my outsider point of view, because I don't work in the space. So maybe this is the opposite of exciting for y'all, but 
there is always new elections coming up. We are very quickly approaching midterm elections. Yeah. And the exciting thing about midterms is that it is not the same all across the country. It's not the same Mm -hmm. every single year. And even presidential elections, people get really excited about presidential elections, but there are so many elections that happen in between those. So I'd love to talk a little bit about the timing that we're in approaching the midterms. Like what's going on and why are the midterms important? Great question. Thank you for asking that. They're so important and really like elections across the board are so important, obviously from presidential to off-year special elections to midterm elections. They are also crucial. You have a voice in choosing like leaders from your local state to federal government who make huge decisions for your life. And I think that just should never be slept on. So midterms are really important, especially, and I think just needs to be highlighted more and more because they're so often slept on, but they're pretty much just as crucial as a presidential election. The only missing like race from that ballot is the presidential election. Governors are usually this year, but like sometimes there's off years. Some governors are, you know, during presidential elections. So down the ballot, it's pretty much the same, except at the top of the ticket, like you have a presidential election. So it's really just as crucial. And it's important that people know that there are races going all the way down your ballot that will hugely impact your life from governors to attorneys general to secretaries of state to treasurer, obviously your congressman, your senator to your state house, state senate, mayor county supervisor it's just the list goes on and they really do all impact you and like it might sound like a lot and it kind of is this is kind of like my new messaging about elections is like it's kind of overwhelming in this moment but it's just so important and like it will take some time to like make your voter plan and like get ready to vote and get to know your ballot a little bit but it's beyond worth it because of what it means and I've been saying too I'm like it's really also just once a year, once a bi-yearly or what's it, whatever it's called, that you really have to like sit down and like put this work in and then you can take a rest and you can, you know, go on vacation. Like Sam and I, I'm going to make us go on vacation after this election. It's work, but it's, it's just so important. And it's a lot of people don't turn out for midterms because there's not that presidential ticket at the top. But again, it's just as important, hundred percent. And usually turnout is lower. So we've just been really working this year to try and make sure everyone is aware of this election, is ready to go. And it's just crazy. We are in the countdown right now because we have been like, I feel like it was just yesterday when we were like, oh my God, it's 2022. There's an election this year. And now we're like weeks out. So yeah, craziness. Well, also too, to that point, and this is something that we're trying to solve for with a lot of our interviews is that like people also just don't know what a lot of these positions do. Like they don't know how powerful they can be, what they are in charge of, how they work with other entities, how they impact themselves, you know, the voter, whatever. And so we're trying to really pull back that red tape and be like, okay, what does a secretary of state do? Like, how do they protect democracy? Like, what does an attorney's general do? Like, how does that impact like abortion laws in a particular state? And like, so one of the things that I think has been a real deterrent in years past is that people just don't even know what they're voting for or who these people are. Like they don't understand that impact. And so through our interviews with a lot of these elected officials, candidates, we're really trying to explain that. And by hoping that, you know, having that knowledge, having that understanding of what these roles do and therefore their impact as well, that people will get more excited, not just for this midterm election, but for all of those going forward. And not just that, I will also say even what would be an off-year election, because a lot of cities 
have city council races. New York City, for example, was 2021. So that was like, you know, would be considered an off year election race, which oh, I think a lot of New Yorkers are like very exhausted from like voting every five seconds, <laughs> which has impacted the primary to a gazillion different degrees. But regardless, I will not go down that pathway of rants. Point being is there's always an election. So you really have to always be paying attention. And I think the blessing and the curse of the Trump era is it started to make people pay more and more attention. And even, you know, this year we have, you know, a majority in the House, majority in the Senate as Democrats. We also have, of course, the presidency. And we're still we're seeing a lot of amazing things happen. And we're also seeing seeing a lot of like shitty things happen as well. And so because the news cycle is just so constant and we're trying to figure out how to solve for them constantly, mm-hmm. like there's such an opportunity. And some of that opportunity comes that education of trying to explain, okay, like, yes, like Roe v. Wade was overturned, but like who at the state level is in charge of, you know, protecting access to the state level. And then, you know, it becomes this layered conversation, which is where we've really come in. And I think people just need to understand those roles, understand their power with electing those roles and just constantly be paying attention. I know that's hard. That seems like exhausting, but I will say this. If you literally spend like more than five minutes, like say you're going to get a tattoo and you like look up all the different tattoo parlors, you're like, okay, who has a good review? You spent five minutes vetting those different places. Like you could do the same type of thing for politicians. Spend the five minutes vetting the politicians or the position, getting the Google in, whatever. And it's equivalent to vetting the tattoo place, the piercing place, the nail place, like whatever you're doing. Nonetheless, if you spend the time doing that, why aren't you vetting the people that you're electing that can impact your whole life, not just your nails? Yeah, I think it's so wild, too, that like, except for now, like our episodes that are like, what does an attorney's general do? Like that, we have an episode that says that exactly. But like, if you were to Google that, it'd be like, you know, a state attorney general council, state government agencies and legislatures. You're like, okay, sick. Like, what does that do for my life? And then you're like, but we had, you know, a very important Um, attorneys general come on our show and explain like what they do but also like what's at stake especially this year and how like no your attorney general can actually decide whether to like implement abortion bans in your state you're like whoa like that's huge so it's just crazy there's nothing out there like that and so we have a few episodes now same with secretary of state and they oversee your elections and so you're like okay cool but you don't understand like they protect democracy and make sure like your vote is counted every year. So it's like, there's, you know, those textbooks explanations that you can Google, but you don't really understand the full effect of these roles. And so it's been super important for us to highlight those, especially this year and in these midterms, and especially given the news cycle we've been living through, that's been very stressful, but just really trying to push that out there of like how important these roles are up and down the ballot. Thank you so much for all of this background and this conversation around not necessarily understanding what roles you're voting for, much less what each individual candidate stands for, has me thinking a lot about ballot initiatives, propositions, anything on the ballot where you may see a yard sign that says like, vote yes on number whatever, vote no on number whatever. I want to hear about those. And because this is an environmental show... I want to ask about some environmental initiatives that we're seeing on the ballot this midterm season. Yes. Yeah. Well, we have a episode. First of all, I just want to plug that talks about ballot measures. It is angled towards the reproductive freedom topic, but it's definitely applicable um, to learn about that process of how to get a 
a ballot measure on your ballot because it is usually a citizen driven um, initiative that you can it's basically direct democracy so it's like instead of depending on the state it's it's different per state but basically you can write legislature as a citizen and get it on the ballot in a very that's a very short explanation of how it works but yeah I so did that not know episode, that yeah so there are states know. where you can basically like craft with an organization a piece of legislation or policy you would like to see implemented and you can basically in some states like skip the legislative process and skip your state reps and get it implemented in your state so again there's a much broader explanation of that that needs to be done and that episode does a great job of explaining kind of how that process works and how you can do that in your state if it's an option but yeah this year climate wise there's only two ballot measures across the entire country that are dedicated to climate, one in New York and one in California. So the one in New York is, this is the long, um, the oh, this one, a chunky one, clean water, clean air and green jobs, environmental bond act of 2022. It's like, come like, on, shorten that. <laughs> I'm out of breath personally, but basically this particular ballot measure, also known as ballot initiatives, you can kind of swap those in and out, but it's kind of been a long time coming. This was supposed to actually be on the ballot during 2020 originally. And then the state was really worried during the pandemic that they weren't going to have the money to fund this if people approved it. So it got delayed. And it actually, this particular act or whatnot actually got an additional billion dollars of funding, which is kind of interesting. But basically this is authorizing the sale of state bonds, which is up to $4 billion, $200 million, which is, again, another chunk to say, to fund environmental protection, natural restoration, resiliency, and clean energy projects across the state. So it's a lot of funding for a lot of environmental projects that are basically very, you know, wanted, needed, et cetera, especially needed. So we'll see what people do when they hit the ballot box, yeah. is this going to be a yes or a no? I will say I don't think there's been a lot of education around this particular ballot measure, like at all. Have yet to really hear this come up on the New York side or in people's yeah. messaging, which I think is really interesting. Interesting. This is a good example too of how different it is by state. So, like oh, yeah. in New York, you do need legislative support in order yep. to get a ballot initiative on your ballot. So it does need to go through like the state house and everything. But in California, like we live and breathe propositions. We get like a hundred of them every um, election. You actually don't need like prior legislative support in order to get this on the ballot in California. But the clean cars in California is that one. It's Prop 30. So that one is a big tax on high income earners that ultimately fund zero emission vehicles, charging stations, and like other clean energy infrastructure, as well as some wildfire kind of measures like hiring and training different firefighters and preventative measures in that in that way. So yeah, those are the only two ballot measures right now, this or this election centered around climate. But what I will say too, is like, still definitely go listen to that ballot measure episode, because you can get something on the ballot in 2024, if like, you're into it, or if you have an idea, which is like, seems like a big feet and it you is. can work it with is. it is and you can work with organizations who are like doing the work and doing the heavy lifting and um again that episode is a good explainer but like it's people are already working on ballot measures for 2024 right now yep. so yeah yeah because you have to get a slew of signatures to get it on the ballot so if it's doing direct democracy and you are not going through the legislature that is how that would work. So for example, in Michigan with the reproductive rights amendment, 
that had to hit, I'm blanking on the exact number, but several hundred thousand signatures to appear on the ballot. In Arizona, after you know Roe was overturned, well, actually it was before that, when basically the leak happened as to like what the opinion was going to be, they got an initiative underway and they had to also hit a few hundred thousand signatures and they like just missed it, which is really upsetting, but they're working on it for 2024. So there are a lot of things that are already taking momentum or taking movement because it takes a long time to get those signatures. Like the way Mm -hmm. that Arizona was able to even get them as quickly and as many as they did is quite amazing. But a lot of the states too, like, again, it's just so different per state, but different rules in terms of like how you can collect the signatures. Like, does it have to be like in person? Does it have to be at a petitioning space? Like, does it, can it be online? Like, these are all like different per state. Did the signature go outside of the box? It's literally insane. Like, it's crazy. And like, also to note on like the New York end, like basically how that works is it has to be introduced as like legislation in the legislature has to pass through one session. And then it has to pass a second session. Once it's passed through two sessions, then it ends up on the ballot. So it's less direct democracy, but it could come about by lobbying in tandem with an organization yeah. towards your legisl- legislature. more red so, tape. Legislators. Guys, I will never be able to say that. Legislators. <laughs> Someone needs to change that. It might be us. We're going to rebrand that. It's fine. Add it to the rebrand list. It's interesting to me that there's only two major ballot initiatives during the midterms for Mm -hmm. any sort of environmental or climate related cause, because it feels like everyone's concerned about climate change. It feels Mm -hmm. like everyone's talking about climate solutions and investing in climate solutions, especially after the Inflation Reduction Act passed uh, so recently in the last few months. I would have assumed that there were all of these ballot propositions to kind of accelerate some of those initiatives. But that also makes me think even more about the value of really getting to know your candidates and seeing where they stand on some of these issues, because environmental issues are something that people are running on now. It's something that candidates can't really avoid when they're being asked about directly. How do you feel about investing in EV infrastructure, for example? So I have to imagine also that there are buzzwords or things that we're looking out for from candidates to see where they actually stand on some of these issues where it's so easy to be vague. Yeah. I will also say too, just really quick for the last conversation, there might be some sit like city and local measures that are, you know, city mm, propositions that might have Absolutely. some, you know, climate stuff inserted in some of those. So look out for those too. If you have city propositions, some of them might be climate related or at least have something in it that's climate related. So there's that. But as far as like keywords, what I will say is like, I'm sure you talk about like greenwashing on the show or just how like brands and do that all the time right they're like this is a you know clean product or whatever it is you're like is it and so there's a lot of that in politics too so like carbon tax for example it's like oh like sounds great like there's a lot of greenwashing in politics too where there's like these keywords that they make them sound like you know they're making big moves on climate but it doesn't really do shit obviously it's better than nothing technically but it's just not to the extent that is needed so there are definitely still greenwashing tactics in the political space. So look out for that. But what I would say even beyond like keywords, I would say what to look for like on your ballot and looking at candidates are have to do with like who they're funded by more than anything. Yeah. So like if you um, on your ballot have an incumbent, meaning that person's already been in office before they're running for re-election, 
then go look at their voting record. Um, look on opensecrets.org. It's the best website. They spill so much tea. You get to see who funds who. And you're like, oh, why, Joe Manchin, are you not supporting, you know, Build Back Better or now the Inflation Reduction Act? It's like, oh, because you're funded by all these big oil companies. But it even goes beyond that. It's not just oil. I want to also preface that there's a lot of corporate interests. Real estate, for example, real estate development, huge, huge, huge money poured into politics, often not very climate friendly. So it's like, look at incumbents, Democrats too, especially Mm -hmm. at the state level, look who's funding them, because that's going to tell you a lot about whether what they're saying is bullshit or not, and whether they're actually going to like take action. And then for any candidates that like pique your interest, if they say they're grassroots, like and they're, you know, on their website, they have like climate as a priority for them as one of their policy issues and their grassroots, like you can bet that they're going to make some, take some action and like support some real climate initiatives. So that's, I think a great kind of tactic, I guess, to use when you're going to vote is like, look for those things. I'm sure there's a bunch of keywords. And again, I always go like the carbon tax keyword for greenwashing stuff, but I think more than anything, the more powerful thing is to follow the money. Yeah. And I will add something about the website too. How a candidate defines their website is very purposeful. So what's there is there on purpose and what's not there is also there on purpose. And obviously, or maybe not so obviously it's designed to help them win. Right. So like they're looking at, okay, what amount of people, what in this voter base do I need to win? And if they're looking at that voter base and they're going, Hmm, okay, these are the three issues, you know, guns, healthcare and abortion are like the ones that they need to win. And those are the three that they have on their website. It's very purposeful. They're going after their target, but at the same time, they are also sometimes trying to get rid of people that aren't their target as well. And if you go to their website and there's nothing about how they feel about climate change or how they feel about legislation in that larger realm, that's a red flag. It's like the same thing of like how silence or no response is an answer. That is how you should feel about a politician's slash candidate's website as well. It's the same thing. Yeah, that's a really, really good tip. And I like that you mentioned the websites being so purposefully designed because Mm -hmm. on top of what Maddie shared about following the money, thinking about how those donation solicitation emails or texts are designed is also very purposeful. And I know sometimes you guys break them down on Instagram and I always appreciate that so much because- Every once in a while, I get a text from some local political candidate asking for a donation or asking if they can count on my vote or whatever those automated messages are. And -hmm. the way that those are designed are so tactical. And if I can't tell what you're standing for, if I'm confused, that's an answer. You know, they say like when you're talking to a boy, like if you're confused, that's an answer. That's That's how it is in politics. That's it. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. No, spitting facts, that is exactly exactly it and And some boys and some politicians are just dumb and like don't know what they're doing and it could be that you know but for the most part like yeah make them prove it to you 100 absolutely I appreciate that so much I guess to close out our conversation is there anything on the ballot coming up for the midterms doesn't have to be either of these environmental initiatives but any initiatives that you feel like we're just not talking enough about as young people Okay, this is like kind of a combo of all the things. This was something that I learned this year, which I just also want to asterisk this whole conversation with saying that like learning about politics is an evolution. You're always going to be learning something new. There's nothing wrong with always learning something new. 
we literally walk off every episode being like, oh my God, I did not know that. That's so cool. And then applying it, right? So just keep that in mind as like people get more and more politically engaged. That's fine. One of the things that I learned is two different positions that are on the ballot this year, one in Texas and one in Arizona. One is Arizona's Corporation Commission. And then the one in Texas is Railroad Commissioner. Now, Mm -hmm. both of these have kind of obscure names and both of them have a lot to do with climate. Texas Railroad Commissioner has nothing to do with the railroad anymore, originally did, but TBT right back in the day. Now it deals with like oil and gas industry and regulating the grid and all of these things that are so important and no one knows what the hell is a railroad commissioner? Like, what does that position do, right? And then in terms of Arizona's Corporation Commission, again, it's regulating utilities and utilities are very impactful on climate change, especially in a state like Arizona, which has to, you know, cut back on those to keep the lights on, right? So nonetheless, these are two positions that are on the ballot this year, don't get a lot of attention or haven't, except for they've started to because of what? TikTok. Because these candidates have started running really, really, really cool grassroots campaigns, getting in front of young voters, knowing that young voters care a lot about climate change. And we do. Like, we want a future that we can, you know, then see for our kids and the kids after that and, you know, really live fulfilled lives on this earth. So young people care about climate. They know that. They know where the young people are. And they've taken to TikTok and done a great job with it. So I'm super excited to see where those two candidacies land. But I'm also excited to keep uncovering more of these positions that people don't know as much about that have such an impact on climate change. Like, I'm not going to nix your congressperson and say that they don't have something to do with climate change and climate policy, too. They definitely do. But some of these positions that you might not have heard of are like the, you know, apple of our eye. It's crazy. The one thing I just do want to say is like to not stop after you vote either, because Mm -hmm. if you look at like even the Inflation Reduction Act, like that happened because of people continuing to push Joe Biden to like make it happen and continuing to call their senators and make sure, you know, they act on climate. So it's like, that's the other thing when it goes back to like keywords and buzzwords and whatever, like definitely like find the right candidate, hopefully, but then you have to follow up. You have to kind of like check on them, make sure they actually like sometimes like, especially at the state level, like people don't even show up to vote. It's like insane. So it's like, keep holding them accountable, keep checking what they're doing. If they like promised that they were going to act on climate and they're not doing anything about it, then you can tell them like, Hey, or you can mobilize around that and put pressure on them. And I think it, it has to be kind of both. It can't just be like vote and then like, see what happens and like, see what they do. Obviously there needs to be like a grace period to let them do something, but like you have to just keep following up and keep checking on it and putting that pressure on because we've seen it, especially I feel like with Joe Biden is the perfect example. Like young people really elected him and, you know, from student debt to the inflation reduction act, like that really came from people continuing to put that pressure on and like keep, you know, making noise. And that's when you see like the change happen. So it's just about consistency. I would just say number one thing, show up on November 8th, absolutely make a voter plan beforehand. Check how long it takes to get to your polling location. I feel like that's like the number one thing that I always hear from people, which cracks me up. And I've been trying to like post about it is like, oh my God, I didn't realize it was like a 20 minute drive or, oh my God, wait, it's a 30 minute walk, not a 15 minute walk. And it took me so much longer. And it's like the little things, but it adds up. So check your directions to your polling location, see how long it takes you to get there beforehand check on your ballot, make sure you're registered. You can also check your registration status at girlonthegov.com slash vote. So if you're like, "Eh, is it up to date? Like what's going on there? You can check it there. 
and make sure your friends are turning out to vote. If everyone did that, we will be golden. And we literally have merch that says friends don't let friends miss election. So if you want a cute trucker hat and a tote that says that, go check it out. But I think that's like such a easy way to kind of make your impact of obviously turn out to vote yourself. But if you can get five of your friends and just like check on them and have little accountability partners to make sure you guys all turn out. Like if everyone did that, think about how amazing our voter turnout would be. So just, you know, put your splash in the bucket and make sure you get out there. Yeah. And I have one more note with that, which is especially elections at the local level can be won by like one vote, 10 votes, 15 votes. If you have a friend group of 10 people and you guys show up, you could literally change the course of an election. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's how small sometimes these margins can be. Yeah. Change the direction of an election with the group chat. There you go. I love that so much. How to make a voter <laughs> plan, but this is like how the girls make a voter plan. I the love this. Love yes. Oh I God. also, by the way, I, I'm now like pushing this out there for everybody. I'm making a little voter party for my friends. This is also depending on what state you're in. In California, everybody gets a ballot sent to their home. So I'm going to do a little wine and cheese moment. We're going to look at our ballots together, going to answer questions, going to do some research together and just have fun. And I think, again, I think that will go so far too. And like bringing politics into your friend group and making it something you guys can continue to talk about and do together. So if you want to do that and it's an option for you to vote by mail, then maybe try doing a little hosting a little voting party. <laughs> That is such a good idea. That is friends don't let friends miss elections. Like that's. Thanks so, so much for listening to Eco Chic. Again, I cannot believe we made it to 200 episodes. I hope you loved today's conversation with Sammy Cantor and Maddie Medvev of The Girl and the Gov, the podcast. I loved meeting them. I loved chatting with them. And I am sure that you learned something today that you didn't know beforehand. Make sure you rally up your friends, get ready for midterm election season, make a voting plan, get informed with your candidates, look on your ballot. There is so much cool take-home tips from today's episode. Lots of value, and again, really, really fun, dynamic. I'm so glad that I could hang out with Sammy and Maddie, and I really look forward hearing your thoughts on today's episode. Thank you so, so much for tuning in. If you've stuck around this long, make sure that you're subscribed wherever you're listening to podcasts, rate and review on Apple Podcasts. You can do that on Spotify now too. You can also rate there. All of my social links are down below as always. Instagram, TikTok, my email, however you want to get in touch. I want to get in touch with you. And let me send you some stickers. Again, I'll have a box available on Instagram for you to put your address. And there's also a little Google form linked down below in the show notes. Thank you again so, so much for tuning in and I will see you next week. I love ya. Bye. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.